From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. Okay, so I first interview I first interviewed you, Adam, on the Suzanne Fanker show back in April. Which, if people want to watch that or listen to that, rather, they can find that conversation, which was all about the culture of victimhood, on episode ninety two. And Adam, you are the founder of Wrong Speak Publishing. I love that name. An outlet for people who want to feel uninhibited when expressing their thoughts and opinions. Its mission is to dive deeper into topics that are deemed taboo. And you are here with me today, Adam, to talk about your excellent article, your recent article that I came across called Why the Modern Woman is an Unhappy Woman. Yes. And that's right up my alley, as you know. And I have a book coming out in just two weeks called How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched. Mm -hmm. And it's all about exactly what you cover in this article, which is why I reached out to you and I said, we need to talk about this because the yeah. timing is great. Um, and it's a little off the beaten path of what you normally, you know, the book that you, you're dealing with a lot with critical race theory and, and black, the idea of black victimhood and all of that. But of course, there's much parallel there with feminism, right? Because Absolutely. Because black folks or women, they are both getting the same crap fed to them. Exactly. Exactly that. Um, yeah, it, it seems a little bit different, like you said, in the, in the book. I am uh, kind of using black people as kind of like the case study for certain things, but especially like feminism. Um, we often don't talk about the effects of feminism or, uh, you know, even if women realize that what they're doing or even what they're saying or their attitude, their behavior is of a feminist mindset. Um, you know, the idea that being someone who stays at home, uh, you know, and takes care of the children as being disempowering, um, as if there is no sort of power at, at being a mother who stays at home. Um, you know, it, it's something that I, be, I guess doing the research with the book and just really looking deeper at, um, you know, initially, are our women happy? Uh, initially looking at black women, are they happy? But I'm looking at all women and I'm saying, I think a lot of women are either unhappy or unsatisfied. Um, they are very disillusioned. And I think a lot of it has to do with their approach when it comes to dating. And one thing that seems to be very common, let's say if it's just the average woman, she's not, she doesn't consider herself a feminist, but she is a modern woman. She approaches dating laissez-faire. You know, whatever happens, you know, do you want to get married? Yeah, if one day occurs, like there's just no, no particular progression to it. But if you ask her, well, what do you want to do for a living? Oh, I'm going to go to this college. When I come out, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to... So they have a plan when they need to have a plan, but they focus on things that are unfulfilling. <laughs> or temporarily fulfilling in right. the moment without looking at your life as one long path. And what are you going to want five or 10 years from now is not what you're going to want today. Usually, right. chances are. Right. And even for young women who are intentioned, what I find is they are, uh, I should say, well-intentioned. I find that 
they're being fed lies. And they're disillusioned as far as, well, at the age of 21, it'll be the same at 31. Or they'll view the world the same way. Or that the dating market will be the exact same way. And what they don't realize is that the dating market is incredibly cruel to women. Um, you know, it's very short as far as what they can get, what their expectations are. Um, and it's a very short time frame. So being able to get any guy that they want at the age of 21 is not going to happen 10 years later. And it, and it really depends on how attractive she is in the first place. And if you're just average and then you add 10 years to the mix, it's cruel to say, but your, your, your selection becomes slimmer. And we're, we're always telling women that mating selection is in abundance for them always all the time because they're the prize but we're both the prize and we both have to select each other and for you to get selected you have to be attractive enough to be selected likewise for men for me to get selected as a man i have to be able to uh, portray myself in a, in a way that is selectable so it's a mutual type of thing it's not one way and i think a lot of women see it as one way and they don't want to change anything because they feel that at some point someone is going to take them. Um, but in the long run, I'm looking at older women. I'm looking at women who are over the age of 40. Um, maybe they've had in and out of relationships. Maybe they're even married and they threw away a guy and wrecked their house. Um, and then they thought there was something greener on the other side. Uh, I've seen stories where there's nothing wrong at home. The husband is just an okay guy. He's not exciting. And they miss that excitement. And then they throw it away. The children's lives are ruined. They're lonely. And they thought it was going to be greener on the other side because they're getting fed all this information that this may be the case. But they ultimately destroy their own house um, and, and, and add in a selfish way. Um, but it's all this it's a false messaging that I'm just seeing pumped out. Um, and, and I think women are suffering because of it. So people who keep up with my podcast or my channel on YouTube will know exactly why I have you here right now. <laughs> <laughs> you literally just like made a case for my new book. I mean, you yeah. talked about the green grass syndrome. I have a whole chapter in here on that. You talk about the lies. I have the whole book opens with four lies the culture tells and I, I don't want to focus on the book. I want to focus on your article, but yeah. I, can't, I can't not talk about it because it's, it, they're so related. Okay, so let's get into, into your article. I'm just going to go through it really piece by piece because I think people okay. want to hear all this. No problem. Okay, let's start at the beginning. You, you basically say the modern woman appears to be less fulfilled than the women who came before them. And in fact, though you didn't write it here, I put a note here there was to, to tell people in case they want to look this up, there was an actual finding for that in 2012 called The Paradox of Declining Female Happiness. And if people Google the paradox, the paradox of Declining Female Happiness, it'll come right up. And you can find the paper and read it for yourself. So that actually was found 10 years ago, that after all this so-called progress, women are less happy relative to men. So it backfired, essentially. And it caused a huge uproar when that came out 10 years ago. And I remember that. Um, yeah, there was just a lot, a lot written on that. So, so there's no question that what you're seeing is, is, is accurate. Uh, you will go on to say, 
that you've been more interested in the social dynamics between women and men lately. So you're trying to understand what makes women tick, what are their motivations, what are their long-term goals. And that's why you wrote this piece. Now, was that just a personal interest or do you have a story there, personal story there that made you so interested in this? Um, uh, I mean, everybody's so, uh, personal story, I guess, <laughs> to love and relationships. That's kind of a silly question. But I, I, Just a little bit, but as far as... Um, you know, I'm into human behavior. I'm into psychology. You know, I didn't go to school for it, but I, I watch all different types of media. Um, you know, even something like Dr. Phil, yeah. where you, you see the same type of format and you see the same type of people and you start figuring out that there are certain triggers for people and there are certain things that happen over and over and over and it's not coincidence. Um, it could be a, a completely different person, different culture, different country, yet it's the same type of thing that leads them to the same type of place. So human nature. Uh, it's human nature, right. Um, and we, I think we have a denial of human, human nature that's going on, you know, even outside of women and, and relationships. But uh, sticking with relationships, um, one of the big things was also, I got even more interested in how men think, which sounds weird, but as being a man, but I grew up without my father. So I didn't have that strong male masculine outlook. And so I started looking at the male viewpoint and really like dissecting, you know, there are certain things that I would do that maybe I thought was fine, but it's unattractive. And it was examining myself, but at the same time, I'm looking at what women are doing and how women are thinking, what their expectations are. And there, there's way more content that's out today than there was years ago, um, where women are talking openly about what their expectations are. And it surprised me as how unrealistic their expectations are, you know, where nearly every woman says they want a man who makes $100,000 a year, despite her age. Um, and I understand why women want security, but they can't verbalize why. And they're so stuck on that number that they discard good men along the way. But uh, to kind of get to your, your question, I got interested in for a variety of reasons, um, you know, for myself. And also I, I got into a relationship with now my, my fiance. I'm about to get married in September. Congratulations. And, <laughs> thank you. That's a, <laughs> that's a few weeks from now. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and we actually went on a journey together because... I started watching certain content and initially, you know, it's more masculine, maybe a, a, on a little bit chauvinistic, maybe what you might think, but you can learn something from anything. And I'm watching it. And at first she's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about this, but then she started warming up to it and she started becoming less emotional, more logical. And so she's like, so is that what men want? And, and I, we would have conversations about it. And I started embracing certain things that felt more natural. It actually felt more natural for me to take on a more masculine role than what I was doing before. These were learned behaviors that I was exhibiting. But when I started learning more about being masculine, that's when I, I started behaving that way. And consequently, my, my, um, my fiance, she became more feminine. And she became more mindful as, as far as that. And she felt better and she felt more attractive, you know, to the point where she's, you know, she, she works a, a normal nine to five, 
But we have conversations and our goal is for her to either not work or to work as little as possible so we can have a family. And she wasn't in that mindset necessarily before. She was get pregnant, have a child, go back to work. And we've even had conversations as far as if I made enough where you didn't have to work, are you okay with that? And initially she was like, no, I, I, you know, she had this like control kind of thing. But we talked about it. Like, I'm not restricting you. I'm just, I'm providing for you. And then we discuss what needs to be done. It's a level of trust Mm -hmm. between us. So I guess what what I'm getting at is just my focus on relationships really helped me. It helped my fiance. Um, And as we're getting better, I'm looking around me and she's looking around her, you know, at other women that she knows and sees how miserable they are and how upset they look. And some of them are career women or some of them were maybe uh, formerly married, divorced, and now they have to work and they're alone and they're miserable. And, And she's seeing all this and it's kind of like, why are they in that predicament? What led them to get to that point? So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, very fascinating. You literally just described pretty much my story with my <laughs> same deal. Now, we're farther along in the game, but he didn't have um, a father in the home. Well, his parents divorced when he was around 10 or 11 and mm-hmm. same sort of story and having to figure that out and me having to figure out where my role is in that. And it's just been a long journey. And then, like you said, like coming to this happy place and then seeing other people the whole nine yards. So that's, yeah. That's definitely, yeah. um, I, I totally identify with that. Okay, so um, one of the things that you point out in here is that, of course, which I love, that, which is where my eyes went right away, is where you said the largest factor that's affecting the happiness of women is the bad messaging they're receiving throughout popular culture that dictates their strategy for dating and their viewpoints on what a relationship should be like, which kind of, right. or not even just a relationship, but what their lives should be like. Again, this book that I have coming out, it's not just about your relationship, but your life. What do you want it to look like? And you talk about your fiance and her knee jerk reaction prior to this delving into all this stuff together that you did. Mm -hmm. And she's not doing anything weird at all. In fact, if anything, she's normal. She's just been acculturated, right? Mm -hmm. She doesn't, she's not, it's not about smarts. It's not about anything other than this is how you're raised. And unless you take a deep look at what you want and you're able to eschew the messaging, you're not going to get where you want to go and you're going to find yourself stuck down the road. So yay on you guys for doing this. I don't know. I mean, did you feel like you brought her to the table because you were so into it kind of thing? Is that how it started? Um, You know, the the nature of our relationship is that we are, we talk all the time. You know, we just, we talk, we turn off the TV and we just talk. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes I would just put on YouTube and just watch. And then she was like, hold on a second. And then we pause and then we talk. Um, and then we might not even finish the video because we're just talking. So it wasn't even necessarily like, Hey, come along with me. We were just having discussions. It happened. Yeah. It was, it was just happening yeah. organically. Same. Um, yeah. And, and, and the messaging though, but the, in order, but see, I find that people are either, like that, like you or my husband and I, or they're not. And there's just mm-hmm. not a lot of discussion or thought going on. So I opened this book, for example, with, with the, a directive to live an examined life. Right. And in order to do that, you have to study what you're being taught and, 
and if it collides with what you want so that you can then map out a life that works. And if you're right. going through blindly and following the culture, which depending on what the culture is teaching you, like maybe 50 years ago, that wouldn't have been a bad thing. But mm -hmm. today I think we can both agree what's being fed to both women and men, but particularly women about how to do life. Let's call it, let's just say that is horrible. It's yeah. horrible. Everything that's going to go against what most women want. It's really geared toward a small segment of women who don't want what the average woman wants and right. then spotlight on those people. And then you, you, you hold that up as, as the bearer of how your life should be. And then women are following it and they're completely imploding their happiness and their lives as, as a result. And that's what drives me and probably what drives you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also um, talking to other women who are like stay at home wives and they would tell me how much crap that they get sometimes from other women who are working because they feel that they are making them look worse. You, you know, almost like saying, I can't believe you're old fashioned like that. Why do you wear your dress below your knees? You know, that kind of chastising for not being along with everybody else, catch up with the tribe mentality. Um, and that kind of had me thinking as to why, What's it, why is that the case? Why does it matter if a woman does want to stay home and take care of her children? And then on top of that, living around women, uh, I shouldn't say living around women, but living around families and just looking at them and they look happy. And I can't say that for a lot of women who are going to work every day. Um, I've worked at jobs where I'm the minority as a man and I'm surrounded by women and they weren't very happy, you know, whether it's a lower have, scale. This must've been before IT, right, Adam? Um, I mean, even, even the- Dominated mostly by men. Well, actually, I do IT for a particular company, so it's not like a complete IT environment. So I'm, I'm just at a, at a normal job where there are a decent amount of clerical jobs. And if I was asked the women that I work with, and funny enough, most of them are, are Hispanic, you have the choice. Have a man who take care of you, stay at home, take care of your children, or just come to work. They would easily say, go home and take care of the children. Um, so it's... I can see how they handle the day-to-day the -day work stress versus the guys yes. versus someone right. like myself. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Cause that's such a, we're going in a completely different way than we were wanting to. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Um, I'll, I'll try to get back to this, but um, let's talk about that for a second because that is so misunderstood that under that the, the why it is that women are taxed, it's just very taxing for them to live a life like the stereotypical man in terms of all in, all work, all the time, um, and trying to sort of fit in their relationships around that and fit in motherhood and fit in their marriage. And why shouldn't that work for them the way it works for men? You hear this all the time. Like the right. idea is that if you're equal in value, and sort of the opening of my show is we're equal in value, but wildly different by nature. But we forget mm -hmm. the wildly different by nature part we're not interchangeable. We're not the same. So we, we react to things differently. And one of them is that for women, especially once they get married and or have kids, mostly kids after, after kids, it mm -hmm. becomes very taxing to then be expected to do the breadwinning on top of the childcare. Men are emboldened in that role. And my um, way of explaining it to people has always been, look, women do something that men can't. It's the most miraculous thing in the world. Yes, we need men 
at first to create that life. But the being pregnant for nine months, the giving birth, the breastfeeding, that early nurturing is so miraculous, so beautiful. And men feel largely sort of uh, helpless in that stage because, or not so much helpless, but um, like in awe of you, of, wi- mm-hmm. of in awe of women because they, they're not doing it. And so their way of contributing to this awesomeness is to provide. That, and they want to provide for you. And women want that at that stage of life so they can feel secure in what they're doing in the nurturing part. But you can't reverse that and end up with the same result. A woman does not want to provide for a man. That's not no. what my, drives her. She wants to provide for her baby. And the man wants to provide for the two of you. And it's this not understanding this, how this works because you're competing and pretending that one is more important than the other when it's not. You know, fact, it, anything I would say, men would say what the women are doing is more important. They're just providing <laughs> the engine for it, right? Right, right. Actually, you and you bring up something. Um, basically, women don't like provisioning for a man, and you know, my—I uh, hope I'm not talking out of turn—but my fiance, you know, she was married before and she's uh, divorced from my ex-husband. Um, during the the vast majority of their marriage, he didn't work. And every day she had to travel into the city. Every day she had to take the subway. Every day she had to walk all, you know, New York City streets. She had to do all of this stuff, go into work. She was angry. She was bitter being at work. She hated it. And he would always have kids and they didn't even have kids. You're saying they didn't didn't have children. No. Um, And she she was always angry. She would tell me stories about her being on the subway. And one time a man asked her, are you okay?" She just had anger on her face. She hated having to provision. And especially in a place like New York City, where one income is extremely tough to live off of. And she's having to do the provisioning, uh, the money management, everything. Um, and she hated that role. And she didn't sign up for that role. You know, he was working initially and then stopped and just kept going. And what was what's funny is, when we got together, she was working at the same place. Her attitude changed. And her, her uh, funny enough, her coworkers thank me because she doesn't have the same stress and burden as she did before. And she's a completely different person. And they didn't realize that what was going on at home was contributing to her feeling this particular way at work. And now she feels freer, stress-free. Uh, she approaches things a lot easier and calmer just from the fact that she's not shouldering the load economically. You know, right now we're in a position where we're about 50-50. But for me, I want to get to a point where her money either doesn't matter at all or matters a little. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with doing that. I'll work longer hours. I'll do all these things, especially if we do have a child. That is something that feels natural to me. She doesn't have to force me to do it. And I would argue that it's natural. I I would argue that for the average man and the average woman, not everybody. And I always feel like I have to throw that in there because people are like, never a hundred percent of everything, but for the average person, for most people, that is their natural way, but society does not allow them to live in it or to embrace it. And so it's this, well, you write about it in here. So let's, let's get back to this article. You said, um, Women in their 20s are extremely conflicted between what they naturally desire and the modern social demand for independence from men requires. In order for her to have a successful marriage, she needs to find a way to coexist with men, but at the same time, she feels 
that men are optional. Right. Because they've been taught to compete and to live alongside, right? And, and to be interchangeable rather than what I'm arguing, what you're arguing, which is equal in value, but different by nature. And you can have both. You can embrace. In fact, that's been the whole sad part of this whole messaging over the last 30 or 40 years is that it was never the way culture insisted that it was. Women were held up in higher esteem back in the day. Mm -hmm. They weren't oppressed the way that they were not oppressed. They were held in greater esteem. And that is something that by itself doesn't even sound right. Just my saying it doesn't sound like, what do you mean? That's, that's not true because that's how convincing the message has been. Right. And so the whole coming at the, 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 it's like the mindset of the average woman is to redress these grievances, to fix them. And you're always having to um, level the playing field. It's like in your brain, whether you realize it or not, but in fact, you're, you're, you're not leveling a playing field. You're, you're messing it up. Right. <laughs> you're messing up what was working, which is not to say that there, and this, I have to say this because this is what I contend with a lot is it's not about being in strict rigid roles that have no overlap. That's not the point. The point is to move as much as you can with the biological tide, as opposed to fighting against it or messing with it and competing, which is what's going to cause the conflict in your relationship. Absolutely. And, and to go to the, uh, the optional point, when, uh, in case anybody's listening, uh, or the people who are listening. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, what I mean by optional is that, you know, me and you are in a relationship, we get into an argument, or maybe for a couple of weeks, we're not doing too well. In your mind, you're like, if this guy doesn't shape up, I'm dropping him, I can take care of myself. It doesn't matter that we're married, right? I am expendable because I can provision for myself, uh, or the, the, the partner is expendable because I can provision for myself. Mm -hmm. So it is that option that I'm with you because I want to be with you, not because I need you. And actually that's, it's, it's, it's difficult, Adam, because people will be like, well, so what are you saying that women should go back to being totally dependent and never, never make any money? The, the, the tricky part is no, obviously we're here to stay. Women make money they're going to make money. And there's a way to do that. My argument is that there's a way to do that and still incorporate this traditional structure and work within biology. Right. But um, we work in such extremes where it's supposed to be one or the other, but it is nevertheless true that it, it did change things up when women started to become their own providers. It just did. So right. the challenge going forward is going to be how to marry that, if you want to call it progress, that change and that thing that's here to stay with mm -hmm. what we know works and what we know doesn't change, which is to go back to the beginning, human nature. Right. right, Male and female nature, how it's designed to work. And my argument is there's a way to do both. You can earn money and still be in your feminine and allow that masculine feminine dynamic to do its thing at home. But you have to know the skills. You have to be able to, to move in between, you know, what you're doing when you're working and what you're doing when you're at home. Right. Um, and of course, when it comes to, I'm, I'm almost an empty nester. So, well, I am an empty nester by the time this, this will be aired. So, it was, you know, the, what I was doing and what my marriage looked like in the first 10 years looks different from the next 10 years, you know, and you right. have to be able to be flexible and adaptable. Right. And also, um, you know, the, the whole idea that women, uh, like what you're saying, women must be dependent on men. 
we don't ever talk about how men are dependent on women. Like men need women too. And, and it's equally important. Like you said, we're different, but we, you know, we need each other. You know, men and women are, are far better uh, together than we are apart. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I don't like the, the narrative that men view women as just convenient sex objects and that they provide nothing else. I mean, if well, you are, if you are a low quality woman or if you're a low quality man, um, then maybe that's the case. But for a lot of men, a, a good woman provides something far more than sex. And I'll tell you this, I need my fiance and she'll say the same about me. We make each other better. And she provides things like, for example, my health has gotten better since being with her. You know, we, we both wanted to lose some weight. We did it together. I wouldn't be able to do that. I can't cook. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not organized like her. You know, she has, she has a skill set that yeah. is beyond me. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I'm cool, calm, and collective. And so when she is stressed, when yeah. she has something going on, she can always talk to me and, and I'll bring her into a good direction. And she's like, thank you. I needed to hear that. So it, we bring different things, but we need each other um, in the end. Let's go back to what you're saying about sex um, or, yeah. or beauty or, or yeah, because you have a whole paragraph in here on that. And of course, I see, I'm seeing this with college girls and it's really disturbing me. Um, you basically said um, that part of the, there was a reason why, there's a reason that previous generations of women would bring their potential partners home to meet their parents. Part of the reason was for their father to vet the man and expose any potential bullshit quote unquote, your word, not mine, that his daughter <laughs> is blind to because she's operating with her emotions and her father can look at it more clearly or whatever. And you said, um, because of this missing valuable information, many women don't understand that their ability to get sexual attention does not translate into long-term relationship attention. This is so important. Yes, men love a woman's body and Instagram is filled with large breasts and enormous posteriors, but that does not mean that men take these women seriously for a relationship. Flashing your body gives a signal to men that you are promiscuous, even if you aren't. At most, it tells men that you love the attention from other men when you're supposed to be loyal to him, and this makes you a high risk of failure in a long-term relationship. And then you go on to say that women can behave and dress any way they like, but at the end of the day, what are you looking for? What do you want? If you want to be the person he brings home to mama, that's not going to be the person he chooses. Right. Why is this so obvious to you and me, but not to millions of 20-something girls today? The messaging. Um, you know, if we were to look at it logically, and I think I put it in the article, there's a reason why men in droves aren't going to strip clubs to marry strippers. They might entertain them. They'll give them some money. That, you know, it's fun for the evening, but they're, in, they're not trying to marry them. And there's a reason for it. Even if the guys don't realize it, there's a biological reason why they're not doing these things. And the vast majority of men do not want to get with a woman who's promiscuous at that moment, promiscuous in the past. You know, these things, if, if he is a very confident guy and, and if, he can re- if he really likes you, he may be able to overlook past, right? If it's, it's a distant past kind of thing. But the problem with that, you know, if you had a wild uh, 21 and now you're 31 getting married and he knows that you were doing crazy stuff in college, what happens is the guy is worried 
is she going to miss that? Because if you're doing that in 21, you might think that was fun. You know, now you're getting married, but in five years, are you going to be wishing for those days again? Mm-hmm. You know, when you... I wonder if, just to personalize this a little bit, when my husband met me, I had been married before, like your fiance, no kids in Mm -hmm. my Um, And now that I think about that, I think, I guess that's better than having what you described because it shows that I'm capable of commitment and something went wrong. Is that fair? Yeah. I I would say it's better. I was working for a while, like, why would somebody want somebody who's divorced, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's far more, um, like, because I, like I said, I'm, I'm uh, now getting married. We've been together for basically two years. But before that, you know, I dated for a long period of time. I was in and out of certain relationships. And I can tell you, going through apps, you know, I, I've done the online dating. There are certain women that I would automatically disqualify. I wouldn't even bother reaching out to them. And number one thing was they showed their breasts, you know, the cleavage, a lot of cleavage. They were showing their bodies in very in provocative ways. And they had attitudes about it. And what was funny to me was that the same girl who would show their body, show their breasts, all this stuff, would write in their profiles how they don't like it that guys reach out to them wanting to have sex. <laughs> so you're sending the wrong signal. And a lot of girls don't realize that. I was actually talking to a young woman uh, the other day, and she said she fell for the feminist lie. She was always showing off her body and wondering why she was getting crappy guys. You're sending off the wrong signal. Yeah. And it's, 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 uh, we, we can get into that's so like a whole nother conversation as to why I feel like some women know that, but they do it anyway because they're so addicted to the attention. Yeah. And that's a whole nother so, conversation for a therapist, perhaps, because I want to get to the <laughs> article. But, um, okay. Yeah. So, um, so you talk about the sexual attention, um, and then, um, and then you talk about how women between that and the, and the sexual liberation that they've been encouraged to embrace or whatever, mm-hmm. it co- contributes to women creating children without the promise of a relationship or even marriage, I guess the men that will lie and make promises for sex and too many young women fall for these fallacies. Did you know there's actually a phrase for that? Uh, I just learned recently called future faking. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. That's actually a thing. And I had to, I literally just found this out a couple months ago and it's, um, it may, basically means a guy who pretends like he's going to have a future with you so he can get in your pants. Right. Well, better way of putting it and women fall for it. Um, which to me seems, again, it seems like when I look back to me, have it's just obvious whether or not the person that you're with, is a keeper or not. So you would know prior to sleeping, like you shouldn't even be sleeping with them anyway until that's, you know, they're in right. you know, like, it should be obvious. And because those rules are so lax now and you're putting the, they're putting the cart before the horse, they're getting all messed up because they're letting the sex get into the way of building this relationship to know whether or not the person's all in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even if that's the case, um, they don't, Obviously, you're getting pregnant for a reason. You're not using protection. You're not taking birth control. So that means that you are putting yourself in a position for this to happen. Yeah. Even if you're trying to vet a guy, but you still want to have sex, you still have the responsibility to ensure that you don't get pregnant by this person until they fulfill their promises. Yeah. Um, you know, or make them wait and see 
what it comes out to be. Yeah. Um, so it, it's all these things, but to say all this requires that you have a strategy, you know, and it has to start early on. That's one of the first things you said. So, but let's get to what we're supposed to do about this. Cause basically you say the mating strategy for the modern woman is far more complicated than previous generations. It's resulting in these unhappy women. So how can you change your trajectory here when it comes to love and relationships? First, women need to have a clear objective when it comes to relationships at a younger age. Yeah. Again, that's the message in my book. Look, think about this in your twenties and start planning ahead for how you're going to make this work. And but I cut you off, go ahead and, Say what no. you're saying about that strategy. So, and, and um, yes, it has to start very young. If there are any mothers who are listening and they have daughters and they're, you know, 16, 17, you have to start instilling a strategy for your child. You have to um, bring them on and be honest with them. You know, I think there are a lot of parents who are very uncomfortable with talking about sex mm-hmm. or even just outside of sex, just Kids know what sex is. You know, if they're at that age, they know what sex is. So it's not like you have to get to the nitty gritty, but you have to talk about how a relationship should look like. My son is 15. I have conversations with him about women, about how he interacts with women, what his strategy should be moving forward as a young man. These are things that people have to talk, uh, talk about their, uh, with their children. Otherwise, the kids go at it every which way possible. They look at their friends, they look at television, they look at everything else except their parents and their parents should have been having these conversations. And then, so yeah, where else yeah. does it come from? That's what I've been saying. It's parents. That's all there is left really. Cause the culture isn't going to help you. Right. you and, and you only have them for 18 years in terms of having their whole full attention or whatever until they leave. Right. Um, and that's yeah. Start them young. Could not agree more. That's exactly what we did. And it works. I mean, they will, it's not that they'll necessarily do everything the way that you did or agree with everything you say. That's not really the point. It's just educating them and telling them what they need to know that the world will not. Right. It's up to them to what they're going to do with it, obviously. Right. And and our word as parents holds more validity than the rest of the world. So they they can hear all this other stuff, but they'll always come back to either what they saw from their parents or what their parents told them, it could be something, uh, you know, obscure, and they'll always remember that statement always. that you said to them. And, and you'll think like, oh, they probably forgot that. They, <laughs> they remember that thing. Yeah. Um, Unless the relationship is totally broken down, and you've been a terrible right. role model, and it's just a mess or something. But barring barring that, it right. matters what you say. Right. Um. Okay, so that was your first point was, is, is that you need to have a clear objective when it comes to relationships at a younger age. Treat the pursuit of a suitable long-term relationship as serious as they do their bachelor's degree. Yeah. And which I love because again, that's the message I'm putting out there as well. Why stop? It's time to be as ambitious about love as they are about career. Right. That's it. It's not one or the other. It's be as ambitious about love as you are about career and then prioritize it if, the, if your goal is to get married. Prioritize marriage and fit everything else in around that and your life will work out much better than when you reverse that. And that's what they're doing today is they're, they're reversing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are, they are going at it haphazardly. That's the, that's the best way of putting it. Um, they need to have a very clear mind, a very clear view, and 
not for nothing, they need to have very clear expectations of whoever their potential partner is. So, <laughs> for example, uh, Kevin Samuels, he likes to say, um, six months, you should, you should have a ring. And, and there's no excuse, oh, well, he's doing well, then you need to find somebody else. You need to treat your time as precious as the time that you're in college. Mm -hmm. Amen. Right? Absolutely. You, you don't want to be there for another semester that you don't need to be. Exactly. Don't stay in a relationship for five, 10 years no. and to be like, oh, well, he just didn't prove. No, you should have cut that off a long time ago. And that's why living with somebody to whom you're not engaged is such a nightmare. Never do that. That's a, you're wasting valuable time if you do not know what your future is. Now, if you know right. what your future is, that's different. But if you're not, forget about it. You're, wait, you're gonna waste viable, for perfectly good fertile years for one thing. And, and just, you just don't have the time. And you don't have the time that men do. And nobody wants to say that, admit that out loud. Again, because we're supposed to be the same. We're not the same. Women have a foreshortened time frame in which to get their lives in order. Right. Men can simply marry younger, and that's the way it is. We can't change it. Right. Exactly. So your strategy has to be different. So this whole idea of mapping your life out the same way as a man does, I mean, that's why, you know, you should be raising your sons and daughters differently. And that's also taboo, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that you treat them different in any way. Well, they are different. Just look <laughs> in the mirror, right? Um, and you have to help them work with what they've got, right? right? And tell them what, what that will mean for their futures. And then they decide what they want to do from there. Right, exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, you write, if the goal is marriage and children, put yourself in, I like this, put yourself in an environment where men who want marriage and children hang out, which is not bars. Right. Right. It's not, it's not bars. It's not nightclubs. Um, and these days it's barely online dating. Um, you know, for example, a is lot there, of young, oh, sorry, well, I'll give your example first. Then I have a question for you about online dating. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Actually, I'll give you an example from my fiance because she went, she went to college. And what she would tell me is that she didn't realize until I think either her junior or senior year that there are women who are on campus specifically hanging out at, at certain parts of the campus for jocks, you know, the athletes who they, they, you know, they were good and maybe they might make something, you know, they're high up on the, you know, the gen, uh, genetics chart or the guys who are extremely intelligent you know, the engineering department, yeah. Yeah. these are going to be the high earning guys. And they didn't, they were hanging out there. And she didn't realize that a lot of these girls were coming to college, not necessarily for education, they're looking to maybe potentially do both, find that guy and get an education, but they put work into it to, to hook onto that guy, who may be a high earner in the future. And that's a strategy. You know, it sounds strange for some people to hear that, but that is a genius strategy. Take advantage of that. You know, so if you're going to school for, for loans and you find the guy who's going to make 150, 200,000 a year, guess what? He's going to help you pay off those loans. Uh, <laughs> Not just the money end of it, but just you're never yeah. going to have so many options before you that you are in college. Right, that's, exactly. That's the whole idea of you going to college for four years and forgetting about sex and relationships, or not sex, or they're not forgetting about sex, forgetting <laughs> about relationships or lasting love. Just focus on yourself. Focus on. I think that we are really coming to see the um, how misguided that that messaging is because there, you're never going to have so many options before you for finding your person, and um, you don't you know you don't have to get married, have kids at 22. That's not the point, but you could find your person, and mm -hmm. you 
strategize and map out your life more easily if you've done that. It's going to be a lot harder when you're out in the real world, which goes to my question I was going to ask you. Is there a way to do online dating well? Um, I can only speak from a male perspective. The male perspective is very harsh. Um, the male perspective puts you at a quantity versus quality. Um, so you can't really be selective as a guy because you're like, oh, she has a nice profile and she's pretty. I'll message her and maybe two other women. You'll never hear back. You have to go as far as messaging 20, 30, 40 to get maybe two. So it's a very different strategy as a guy to have some sort of success. And that was what I had to figure out. And that's how I was able to, to date and have, you know, I got, had some girlfriends um, come meet? out from it. Uh, my fiance uh, through a old coworker um, is his uh, sister. Um, but yeah, we met in person. I didn't do the online dating when it comes to that. And it's harder to do that. You know, for a lot of young people, it feels weird to be approached. Uh, I've talked to women where they're like, oh, this guy's approached me. I'm like, but that's kind of a good thing. You know, you, you, you kind of want them to approach you. Why wouldn't they want to be approached? That's, a, that's the thing. They've become almost, it's almost like an adverse reaction to be approached by a man that you weren't expecting to approach you. Unless he is incredibly attractive, when that's yeah, that's yeah. when they wouldn't care but if he's just moderate mm -hmm. or or like why is this guy talking to me like that i don't i don't know it, it's very distrusting but if they have a computer screen or a phone then they're more likely to just give that person because now they have a buffer yes well, I, yeah i get that i mean yeah and it's unfortunate but i can see how that would be more comforting but in a, not in a useful way necessarily, right. but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so hang out where, where men hang out. Where do men hang out, Adam? <laughs> gyms. Um, gym for sure. I guess that's one, right? Yeah. Gyms for sure. If a guy's at a gym, he, he cares about his body. Um, and he, a lot of times I find that single men are at gyms. Actually, most of those guys are probably single. Uh, if they have time to, have like a regimen and go yeah. there every single day, yeah. more than likely they're single. Um, so actually, yeah, that's, that's a good suggestion. Um, if your goal is to have marriage, look at the friends of married people that you know. Love that. Yes, absolutely. You know, I say that to people. I'm like, don't you know people who can ask your friends and family and tell them that you're on the market, tell them you're available. Right. People do that if they just knee jerk go to the online option rather than just tell everybody, hey, I'm available over here if you know anybody. You don't right. hear so much about that anymore. Right. And, and at least you have, I, I, would, I would assume from a woman's perspective, that person is somewhat vetted because they know a person yeah. that you know. Yes. Yeah. So you're more likely to feel safer because, you know, there's more repercussions. It's not a stranger off the street who you know okay. zero about. No question. So, yeah. People were surprised when my husband and I got engaged after six months, ironically <laughs> said that. Um, but he, it went so quickly because everybody knew him and told me how fabulous he was and yeah. all from my hometown. It was very, very comforting. Um, so it allowed it to move faster. And that's kind of the way it used to be done, I think, more when we didn't, we weren't such a transient community and we lived more in our own little 
world. But anyway, okay. And then the last thing you, you get to, which is really the most important part. And I think you mentioned it earlier as well as that women need to embrace being feminine again. For some reason, you write, you write that for some reason, well, for some reason, you know why feminism, we have made classic feminine traits appear as weak, but in actuality, women who embrace their femininity have so many advantages when they utilize it in a healthy manner. And I want to talk about that. Men love a feminine woman, much like women love a masculine man. And it's what's so interesting is they know they want masculine men. Why can't they reverse that and understand that they, the man or women want feminine women? Embrace your femininity and you'll be rewarded with a man who will gladly supply you with the lifestyle that you wished for, wish for. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, let's talk about this femininity and how, so my argument has always been that that is where your true power lies and you've literally thrown it away in favor of this other power, thinking that that power is going to embolden you to be stronger, more independent, great, you know, this is what you see in the media but you're losing out in your the most important space, which is the love and your relationship at home and your in marriage. And it's, it's a, it's a false sense of power. I guess that's the best way of putting it. Right. And, and this goes back to what I was kind of saying before, as far as what is natural and from a, from a guy's perspective, especially now, now that I've like really, really examined these things, when I see a masculine woman, I see, an unhealthy woman. I see a woman who's acting unnaturally. It, it's unappealing. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very harsh. Mm-hmm. And that pushes men away. You know, maybe you'll find a guy who will sleep with you. And unfortunately, that's the case a lot of times. And they think, well, I get guys. No, you have guys who have sex with you, but they're not marrying you. They're not asking to go in relationships with you. Um, or at least in the long term. So when I see that as a man, that is, it's almost naturally repelling. Yeah. Um, you know exactly what you're saying, because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you yeah. open your eyes to what this really looks like, you cannot unsee it. Especially right. when you compare it to the natural femininity in a woman and the natural masculine, and you see the symbiosis there and how wonderful that is and positive. And then you look over this, and you're like, ooh, that, that's ugly. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you know, like one of the big things about being feminine is just being cooperative. And I like that it, word. That's good. That's yeah. Good. That's a good word. It, people it, do ask, what does it mean to be feminine? And that's a yeah. great word. Go ahead. Scott. Yeah. No, it's okay. Uh, just work together with me. And, and what's, what's funny is that women generally want a masculine man. And, and generally speaking, a masculine man is somewhat of a leader. So you want someone, for example, the women who want a man who makes $100,000 plus, right? That is a high earning man. That is a man of some sort of stature, right? That is someone to look up towards because you don't make 100,000, you make 40. Mm -hmm. So you want someone who's better than you and that's perfectly fine. You want someone who's taller than you, that's perfectly fine. You ultimately want someone who is better than you in very particular areas, someone who can lead your household. But then when they get in relationships, they don't allow the man to lead. They're right. combative. They're mm-hmm. argumentative. And when I talk about leading, leading, you know, maybe I, I kind of feel like maybe water women see leading as in having like a bad boss at work, right? The boss who doesn't take your input. That's not a leader. A, <laughs> leader, a leader says, listen, we have an objective. 
what do you think about this? Okay, I hear, I'm taking your input. Here's what makes sense. Let's move forward, right? But I'm, I'm taking your input. You know, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. And if you trust me as a leader, you trust my decision to move forward it's for us to have success. My fiance tells me all the time that you are the leader of this household. And, uh, you know, if this is what you think is best, then you haven't been wrong. I trust you. And that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And there have been times when she has overstepped and I said, are you going to let me lead or not? Mm-hmm. She's like, you're right. I'll let you lead. And of course, the flip side of that, that a lot of people don't understand is that you have all the responsibility. That means exactly. you mess up, you have to say, look, I messed up, you know, and be good with that and try and try again the next day and not get, right. you know, um, bowled over by that or whatever. Right. The leader gets, a, the, you know, the leader gets hit with the responsibility of all of this. If, if we fail, it is on me. I take, I take the brunt of the but responsibility. A lot of men, I mean, I would almost venture to say most men today because of how we've butchered all this, mm-hmm. who are too afraid to step up and take that responsibility. Yes, because I, I think the messaging for men is that by doing so, you're oppressing your partner. And that is, that is a bad message. They believe it too, in other words. Yeah, they believe yeah. it too. The 50-50, that we're, we're equal. Every, well, we both clean the house. We both do the dishes. We both, you know, um, and I used to live that kind of life. I used to try and go with that approach. And it, and it was always clunky. It never really worked. Not a great word. You know, and yeah. with our relationship, actually, funny enough, real quick, I'll say, that's how I first approached our relationship when we moved in with each other. And it would get her, not like to argue, but it got her to the point where she was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So at first I was like, no, 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 that doesn't seem fair that you always clean. Yeah. But she, she had to tell me, this makes me feel better. If, I, if, if the responsibility is on me, then it's only me. I don't have to come home and expect you to do it, but you didn't do it because you're tired or whatever. It's on me. And, and I had to take that, that different viewpoint that this is her role. All right, what's my role then? Your role is if I need something high up, you go get it. You're taller than me. And literally anytime, can you go get that? I get off the couch. I go get it. That's yeah. my role. Absolutely. You have something heavy, I go you, do it. The woman can't do it. Like, like physically can't do something that then you get to be our hero then it's great right. i need right. to get that you know and that should be bigger than just getting something off the shelf that's got to be bigger in your life as a woman not just getting it off the shelf but you've right. got to beat him in every way right that's the ticket that's the secret really and and, and you were right in here and even that that is the secret that's missing that women are just not understanding yeah and and even going down to if there's a noise in the night it's my job you know, I put my life at risk for her. And that's true love. That's when you care about someone. I always love to use that example when it comes to the 50-50 thing and the equality idea. Like, okay, so picture you're both there in bed and you hear something. And imagine if your husband said, go see what it's, go, go see who's there, honey. The woman, you think the woman's going to be like, <laughs> okay, that sounds like a great idea or not completely repelled that her man told her to go look for the bad guy. Well, exactly. if you want 50-50, that's what it has to look like. And giving that example is actually kind of brilliant because you feel immediately how wrong that is in every way. Right. right, exactly. But it's something that I, I embrace. 
I understand that. And I'm, I'm consciously, you know, in the future, we want to purchase a home. And I'm already thinking about, uh, do we get a dog, you know, a bigger dog, you know, do an alarm system, uh, you know, a gun, you know, what do I need to do to protect my house, to protect my future wife, my future child, you know, all of these things. I understand that. And that's part of my role. Okay, so I want to tell everybody the name of your um, article again if they want to print it out and read it, or not print it out and still read it. Why the Modern Woman is an Unhappy Woman. And you that's your blog up at Wrong Speak Publishing. Tell, me the, uh, or tell everybody the website again. It's wrongspeak.net. Um, it's under the category, uh, I believe, sex and relationships. Okay. So you can find it that way. And everybody can find everything else, else out about Adam and what you're up to at wrongspeak.net as well. Thank you very much for coming in and, and doing this. I, the, the, the article really got to me in great timing. And um, I'm so glad that you wade into these waters in addition to um, your book. And, and again, if, everybody, if anybody wants to hear my conversation with Adam from before about his regular work, I don't know if I should sell it regular work, but your, <laughs> your main theme or whatever, um, it's episode 92, right? Yeah, episode 92 on the Suzanne Banker show. And um, yeah, I encourage everybody to, to uh, read everything Adam's written and follow him. And um, it's been awesome talking to you, Adam. Really appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you for having me back on. No problem. Take care. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, the Suzanne Venker show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.